Well, hello, saints. Hello, sinners. It's a wonderful day today, and I just want to begin our time together um, by asking you this moment, what shapes your identity? Is your identity based upon your name or your physical address? Is your identity uh, defined by what you do for a living or what you're retired from? Maybe your identity, identity is expressed by who or what you were for. Or maybe it's defined by who or what you're against. Perhaps one's identity is wrapped up with body image or in the display of one's wealth. What gives you your identity? You see, identity is what today's text is all about. It's about identity, about who Jesus is, his identity, who Peter is, and the disciples' identity, and the church's identity, and where it gets its purpose, its sense of identity. Earlier in Matthew 16, Jesus has been um, engaging the religious officials of his day, and they were demanding from Jesus to perform some kind of miraculous signs to legitimate his work and his teaching. And, and, and Jesus, thankfully, didn't take the bait. He doesn't bite. And what he did do, however, is he took that experience with the, with the um, religious old guard, and, uh, and he used that as a teaching tool for his disciples. And he wanted them to have an experience and lesson on identity. This is where we pick up in Matthew. We're going to start in Matthew 16 and read through verses 13 to 20. Um, Jesus and the disciples are located in the mountainous hinterlands of the Jewish territory located some 30 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. They were at the boundaries between Jewish world and pagan world, in their minds. Jesus has taken them way away to have this identity conversation. So hear the word of the Lord. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, Well, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound on earth, and whatever you bind in heaven will be bound in heaven. And then he sternly ordered the disciples, don't tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Identity. Identity. Jesus has traveled to the very edge of his known cultural world. And he asks his disciples, who do people, those people out there, say that I am? Uh, he was as far away as from Jerusalem and the religious authorities as he could be when he asked his disciples this identity question. Perhaps he thought it was safe to ask them this question as far away from Jerusalem as they were. Uh, maybe again he took them to the furthest cultural and religious boundary of his people in order to find and show this is the boundary you're going to have to cross one day to take this message out. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Is he a reincarnated version of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin? Or is he a reincarnated version of Elijah who was whisked away by a chariot of fire? Some mused that he was one of the revered prophets of the Hebrew Scriptures, like Jeremiah, who was one of those prophets that speak the hard truth to a corrupt people and government. If Jesus posed that question to you and to me, what would we tell him about what we think people say of him today? About who people say he is? Sadly, I have to be honest with you, the First thing that comes to my mind is I, I'd, hate to, I'd, I'd have to tell Jesus, Jesus, I don't even think people are thinking in that question today. Jesus, I'm not even sure you're on their radar today. Ouch. Now, you may disagree with me about that, depending upon what Christian circles you run in, but I still argue that I have not seen a lot of evidence that people are asking who Jesus is in our culture today, not even within the church itself. That's a problem. You see, what that means is that the Western church has lost its Jesus-bearing identity. Simply look at the declining influence the Christian churches and communities of worship have in our larger culture today. Look at the emptying parking lots on Sabbath. And look at the same tired faces of people who serve on the church teams and committees. You're in, you're out, because others will not step up to take their turn. Friends, it's crucial at this point that Jesus asks the disciples another question about identity. He not only asks, what does everybody else 
say about me. He's asking you and me, who do you say that I am? The you that Jesus is, uses is plural. He is speaking to all of the twelve. Who do y'all say that I am? And bless Peter's heart, he steps up and speaks for all of the disciples. And he declares, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus beams. He is just beaming with delight. And, and he, he follows Peter's words and he says, Peter, as, as you got my identity, let me tell you what yours is. Let me tell you what yours is. You were blessed, Simon, son of Jonah. You are Peter, Petra. And on this Petra, this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell and death will never prevail against it. Peter expresses to Jesus how all of them understand Jesus' identity to be the long-expected Messiah, to come and liberate the people, to set the people free. And yet Peter adds a twist. Not only is Jesus' is, identity as Messiah, Jesus' identity is also the Son of the living God. In other words, the presence of God in their midst. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses. Wow. Jesus' own character, his own identity, is wrapped up in the very character and identity of God, of Yahweh, the one who created all that is and was and will ever be. An identity wrapped up in the visible, patient, long-suffering, sacrificial love of God in order to reconcile people, bring people back home to the side of God, and make them whole again. Peter is like Simone Biles, who does a floor routine in gymnastics and just sticks the landing making her own unique signature move and sticks the landing. Peter, he, he sticks the landing here. He proclaims something that no one has ever proclaimed before. You are Messiah, liberator. You are the son of the living God. You are the presence of God. Jesus just smiles and says, you know, you are Petra, you are Peter, you're the rock, and I'm going to build my church on this rock. Now, Jesus, when he's talking about the rock, is referring to the proclamation and the profession of faith that Peter has just made on behalf of all the disciples. It's not so much that 
The church is going to be built on Peter, this whole apostolic succession thing. Rather, the reformers believe that that the rock is built upon the proclamation that Jesus is Messiah and the Son of the living God, God's very presence among us. That's the rock. That's the good news that the church is built upon. Not just Peter, but that proclamation. The rock the church is built upon is the declaration that Jesus' identity is the very presence of God in our midst in this crazy, swirly world we live in. He is not some reincarnated prophet or some enlightened teacher like the Buddha. Rather, he is God's presence. God's very presence in our neighborhood. This is Jesus' identity. This is what the disciples, this is what Peter professed that day in that remote area called Caesarea Philippi. Now, should Jesus pull you or me aside in Caesarea Philippi, and ask us what we thought about his identity, would we get it right? Are we still building on the rock of the church? Are we still building on the proclamation, Jesus is Messiah, liberator, Jesus is the living Son of God, God's presence among us? Or is the Western church building itself on the scattered rocks of discordant social issues, trying to define who and what the church is by the issues that define it. The Western church, my friend, has at times let issues define Jesus instead of having Jesus define the issues. You make it backward. The Western church has gone from running after causes instead of maintaining to the proclamation Jesus is Messiah, the Son of the living God. We're letting the tail wag the dog. We're taking our eyes off the mark. Jesus' very identity defines who Peter is, who the disciples are, who and what the church is about. Jesus' identity defines your identity, my identity. So really the vital question for you and for me is, Are we either contributing to the church's identity crisis or are we helping to shape the church's healthy identity as gospel bearers of good news? You see, we contribute to the church's identity crisis, my friends, when we withhold our spiritual gifts of leadership, of giving, of serving, of teaching, of faithfulness that Paul describes in our reading today from Romans. 
We contribute, contribute to the church's identity crisis, my friends, when we hold on to nostalgic ministries of yesterday that do not meet the needs or the environment of our community today. We contribute to the church's identity crisis, my beloved, when we make our personal, personal agendas, our personal wish dreams for the church or for my ministry, instead of letting Jesus' identity permeate through the whole body of Christ in a specific place through a specific people, expressing itself to a community's particular hurts and pains. We contribute to the church's identity crisis, my friends, when we overlay the cultural values of how we are to do church as business, how we approach doing ministry, when we try to run the church like we run the culture. And we raise those values higher than the values of sacrifice. Of forgiveness, of reconciliation and peace. Friends, whenever the church, whenever you and I, as individual members of this church, of Christ's, of Christ's church, whenever we replace humility with hubris, whenever we replace sacrificial love for personal convenience, or our adoration of God in Jesus with any other idol in the form of money, stuff, power, prestige, beloved, we know then that we have lost our Christian identity. Jesus is first. Think for a moment. Who are the people you're around during the days and evenings? Who do people at your office, your bridge game, your Bible study, your prayer group, your sports group, who do those people say Jesus is? Do they know who Jesus is for you. When they look at you, when they look at me, when they see Don, Laura, Mitchell, Chris, Margaret, do they see us? Or do they see the face and the radiance of Jesus? Are we getting in the way of the message? Or are we letting the message of the good, winsome news of Jesus take the lead? And if not, if we're not reflecting that radiance of Jesus, and we crowd Jesus out in our identity, then why? Why are we doing that? What can we do to let Jesus radiate? Beloved, 
Pray with me. Spirit of God, we ask that you would use these words of Scripture, that you would use these words of proclamation to help us really think about our understanding of your identity. Have we really wrestled with that? Do we really believe it? Do our lives reflect that reality? Come, Holy Spirit. Reveal yourself to us. Amen. My friends, the incredible news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. He stands at the door of your heart and mine and gently knocks and wants to come in and have supper with you and you with him. He wants to come in and break bread and say, do you understand who I am? Friends, if, if any of you would like to talk about this rock of the church, this proclamation that Jesus is Messiah, the Son and the presence of the living God, what that means to believe, then please email me, call me, Nick, Pastor Pam, and we would love to talk to you about it. If you have any inclination at all of, of wanting to know about Jesus' identity, we'd love to hear from you. Now, my friends, as you go, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and smile sweetly and brightly with the very radiance of the face of Jesus Christ. Go in that peace. So be it. Amen. And as we go, let us take our candle that we lit at the beginning of the service. And if you have them at home, take it. And as you look at the light, remind yourself, you're just extinguishing that light to take it into your own life so that you will take the radiance of that life and that light back out into the world. Let's go.